Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. It is a pleasure to be with you each and every week here on the home of world football in Southern California. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life. Drink good beer. Well, you know what is the hot topic of this week's show to begin things. Yes, the MLS schedule moves on, but we got to look back at one of simply the most amazing games I've seen in my entire career as a sports broadcaster. That is not hyperbole. Saturday at StubHub Center was truly awe, I was going to say awe-inspiring, and indeed it is. Awful or awesome, depending on what side you were on. And that's and that is absolutely true. Awful for LAFC and their fans to build that three nil lead and lose four three, and awesome and amazing for what happened to LA Galaxy with Zlatan making his debut. We didn't even know for sure if you'd see Zlatan Ibrahimovic in that game, right? Not exactly sure he was even going to play. Certainly, he looked rooted to that bench for about sixty minutes as LAFC built the three nil lead. First of all, we got to step back a little bit, though. Let's just go right back from the whole day. It was truly one of the single most amazing events I've ever covered on so many levels. Getting into the stadium, the buildup, LAFC. Basically, my car got stopped from getting into my parking spot because, and not my parking spot, like a parking lot that I was going to park in. I don't have a parking spot at StubHub Center. I wish I did. They, uh, the My car got stopped along with several others because they were letting LAFC fans in first way early to keep the crowds kind of separate. Security lined up between both sides of LAFC fans as they marched in singing, right? And that was even before I parked. So as I'm walking in, you're seeing all the fans from both sides still you know, getting ready. You could feel the tension. Two and a half, three hours before kickoff, walking in. Nobody wanted to lose that game. There wasn't the tension of everybody super excited to win. That's different. This was nobody wants to lose this first one. And it's a different feeling. Now, it doesn't mean everybody wasn't having a good time because both sides were, but you could just feel how much more important and different this game was just walking in hours early so I get there and I gotta tell you this was one of the most amazing sights I've ever seen LAFC after being walked in so early uh you know separately right even before Galaxy fans were allowed into the stadium LAFC is marching down the main concourse singing that that sha la 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 you know LAFC thing they do Banging drums. I mean, the whole contingent of them just walking slowly through the Galaxy's stadium concourse, going nuts. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And then, oh, by the way, the game started. First of all, I thought I thought the place was going to just absolutely crumble with anticipation and the tension and the noise and constant screaming back and forth. Right, you the 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 cheers you heard the Dosa Cero when LAFC got up two 0 with through Carlos Vela, and oh that Vela goal! I'll tell you what, Zlatan is so special you don't even remember Carlos Vela's first goal, which probably would have been a candidate for goal of the year had it not been surpassed just an hour later. That Vela goal in the fifth minute shut everybody up on the Galaxy side in the stadium. The 3-2-5-2 was going nuts. 
and it was a thing of beauty, right? So then you think, okay, good start for LAFC, but you never know. It's a long game, obviously. Then he gets another fantastic goal in the 26th minute. Then you're like, "Uh uh-oh, could this really be happening here? So they get to halftime. Galaxy, I know this is going to sound crazy. I'll keep going, though. That early goal in the in the second half, you thought, that's it. The own goal. Nothing Steris could do on it. I thought it was Shelvick, but Shelvick had actually made the attempt deeper out in the pitch. There was nothing Steris was going to do on the play. And, and frankly, if the ball hadn't knocked off Steris' knee, Carlos Vela was waiting for his hat trick, right? Everybody forgets that when those kind of things happen. So there was another defensive breakdown so early. Siggy Schmidt had to be so frustrated. And it's 3-0. It's done! It's done! And then everything changed. It was subtle, but you could feel LAFC had very little interest in going forward after that point. And everything changed. And there were a couple of key ingredients I want to talk about for the Galaxy. First of all, and I felt it right immediately... When Sebastian Legette scored, that was the game changer right there. Now, I know everybody points to this. Of course, the Zlatan goals we'll get to. Those were incredible. That goal in the 61st minute changed everything because you probably wouldn't have seen Zlatan get his butt off that bench if it was 3-0 in the 75th minute. You know what I mean? That goal let Siggy Schmidt think, you know what? There's still a point maybe to be had here. Maybe we can get two more and get a point. That Sebastian Legette goal off the giveaway from Benny Failhaber, who knew it immediately that that was trouble. And it happens, whatever. You're going to get burned. And the Galaxy, to their credit, scored off of it. You know, it wasn't one of those half chances where we miss. They buried it, turned everything around. Baggio Husidic coming into the game turned everything around for the Galaxy. Calming presence, always looking forward. They were pouring forward. And Baggio is not the kind of guy who usually needs to do that. But in a 3-1 game, he was dynamically changing that game in the midfield. And, of course, Zlatan comes in for his first appearance in MLS. Minutes later, he scores a goal we'll never forget. I couldn't believe it. And this was after, of course, Pontius got the goal to get it back to 3-2 after Zlatan had come in the game just a few minutes later. Zlatan scores, and then it's 3-3. And then we know what happened in stoppage time. No, it wasn't offside. Keep looking. Go find the Fox replay on that. It was not offside. It was close. I thought it was called back. Even in the game call, I was like, wait, no goal. You know, like, cause they were, at first I called a great goal for Zlatan, and then it looked like Mark Geiger was saying no goal. In fact, they were in their, each other's ears, I'm sure. The referees didn't even know for sure. I had thought that maybe they're calling a push or the offside or whatever. But then it's like, no, it's going to stand. They weren't going to turn that over. And it's 4-3 Galaxy. What an unreal game on so many levels. First of all, you could feel the stagnation of LAFC around that third goal. In a weird way, and I know this is all hindsight, right? In a weird way, LAFC would have won that game if they had only scored two. I know it's you got to think it's nuts, but they probably would have won 2-0 because they would have kept the tension up. They would have kept driving at least. And now, again, anything can happen, right? I guess the Galaxy could have scored a couple. But LAFC absolutely did not quit trying. They just lost the plot, and it happens. When you're up 3-0, it sounds crazy, 
but you don't really have that drive to get a fourth. You don't think you need it. And you know what? 99.99999% of the time, you don't need it. And again, that's not quitting. That's just trying to ride out a, a victory. And it's just the perfect storm. That's a cliche for a reason, but it's the perfect storm when that happens, when that first goal comes in, and then, uh-oh, now we got to turn it back on again. Hard to do when the Galaxy are starting to feel better about themselves. I'll tell you this. this you're going to think I'm nuts, but I watch that game so intently as I'm sitting there broadcasting it here on 710 ESPN and the ESPN app, which you can hear the game coming up Saturday with Atlanta United. We'll get to that in a second. I was sitting there watching it. LA Galaxy played fine throughout that game. No, they did not play a fantastic first half. But Carlos Vela's first goal, who's stopping that? That was world class. If 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 Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo had scored Carlos Vela's first goal, you'd be talking about that for a year. They'd be writing songs about that in Spain. If Carlos Vela's first goal was scored by Pelé, you'd see you'd see that thing on a loop 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. That's how good that goal was, right? Nobody's stopping that. Now, the second goal was a little bit of a breakdown first, but then Vela still had a lot of work to do. And then, of course, an own goal where, you know, things happen. They really, LA Galaxy, had chances in that first half. They could never get on the end of a Ralph Felcher cross. Felcher was dangerous. He was beating João Moutinho down that side all game and all first half especially. LA Galaxy, as crazy as it sounds, that was not a 3 nil deficit where you have just been absolutely horrendous in terms of how you've been playing and moving the ball around. So there was still hope offensively, as it turned out. It is a huge win for the Galaxy. You could feel the club, and I mean the whole club, LA Galaxy. Not the guys on the pitch, not one game. This was a club, a business teetering on the brink down 3-0. I was there. You could feel it. You could feel the fans slipping away. And I'm not talking about that day. You could feel a business starting to waver. We had a 5.3 earthquake earlier here in Los Angeles. You could feel the rumblings of the building of LA Galaxy. And that's how important coming back was for the LA Galaxy. What does it mean for each club? And let's talk let's listen to what Carlos Vela had to say though on the LAFC side of that loss. It turns out to be a bitter 4-3 loss. It's important because now we are a team. Because when you are winning, you think all is good. We are like dreaming, you know. It's not real. We have to pass for this couple of uh, games because now is when we learn we can see the mistakes we can work in all the stuff because we are a new team we are building a team so we are not perfect we are not like the best team in the world so that's a couple of things we have to work we have to learn and the only good thing on the only thing i say to the team is like don't happen again 3-0 is impossible to lose the game you know it's like I can understand how how we lost uh, the other day. I really I'm disappointed, but now this thing happens. We have to keep working. The league is really long, and we have to 
we have to work to win more games. And he's absolutely right about all of that. That's Carlos Vela, LAFC's superstar, who had two goals in that one. And everybody would have been talking about Vela had they won that game. But indeed, the reason they did not, beyond Baggio Husidic and LA Galaxy's ball movement throughout the entire game, which helped get them back into the match when they were trailing 3-0, is the reason we're going to talk about next. We all know the reason LA Galaxy won that game, and his name is Zlatan. Next, Soccer Weekly, here on the home of world football in Southern California. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. Soccer Weekly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, puentehillstoyota.com. I got to tell you, the reason LA Galaxy won that match, Baggio Husidic, ball movement throughout the match, even when they were down 3-0, and Zlatan, the only reason that you need to discuss the LA Galaxy 4-3 win over LAFC. He is a force of nature in the soccer world, and he always has been. This is the reason you signed the 36-year-old Zlatan. He transforms everything for LA Galaxy as a club, as a business. I said it last segment. I was sitting there watching that game. LAFC's up 3-0, right? This was still always bigger for LA Galaxy than it was for LAFC. Win or lose, the way that game went. Now, it sounds crazy. LAFC, Denholm lost a 3-0 lead. That's a huge loss. Yeah, it hurts. Absolutely. It was always bigger for the Galaxy to come back and win that game. Bringing in Zlatan when you're losing 3-1. What if they would have just lost 3-1? Right? What if when Zlatan entered and everybody was chanting, we want Zlatan, we want Zlatan, and then Zlatan afterwards says, they wanted Zlatan, I gave him Zlatan. Right? Like only he can. What if they would have just, if he would have brought in and barely touched the football for 30 minutes and LAFC pinged it around like they should have? And what if they would have just lost 3-1? You could feel the club changing for LA Galaxy if that game when it was 3-0 and if they would have lost it was crumbling as a business i mean this was like a changing your history moment it cannot be oversold the way this was going was going to forever affect LA Galaxy as an organization i promise you and then all of a sudden it was 3-1 and then Zlatan comes in, and then it's 3-2. Starting to feel different. The crowd is starting to believe. They're breathing a sigh of relief, like, hey, at least we're not going to get blown out here. We got a shot now with plenty of time to get the tying goal. And he did what he did. In one of the most amazing goals you'll ever see. We've seen it a thousand times. And it got me thinking about that is why. You sign the 36-year-old. For all you naysayers out there, it's a retirement league. He's passed. Guy scored buckets of goals for Man United just literally hours ago. And so shut your fat mouths if that's what you're going to say. I mean, you're just dumb. You're just ignorant if that's your belief. Because look what he goes out and does. He's on a different level. You know who he's on a different level from? Everybody else in the world who are not named Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Everyone else. He's better than them when it comes to playing football. 
That is why LA Galaxy went out and got him, spent three years chasing him down, getting him to agree to come. He is the difference for the club itself, to the roots of what LA Galaxy is. It was crumbling. It was teetering on the brink, and it cannot be overstated. And it got me thinking about that goal. You know, you watch the highlights, what, 50 times by now I probably did? Is that the over-under for just about everyone? You'd say about 50, 60 times, maybe more. I'll probably take the over, if I'm being honest, just like you are. And I was doing the Champions League games yesterday and the day before for Fox. And I'm watching them. And, and on, on, on Tuesday's games, right, you had, what, uh, Tuesday games? I don't even remember. Bayern, Sevilla, whoever they were. I'm, I'm blanking on who the games even were. It, didn't, didn't, it doesn't matter. The point being, I, these things all blend together when you work like I do with so many games. We know the matchups. Barcelona, Roma, Real Madrid, Juventus, Bayern, uh, Sevilla, and Liverpool, Man City. I'll get to breaking them down in a second. But I've had a point about this. That's Zlatan goal and all the highlights and everything else. And I'm watching the Champions League as they're showing us eh, 15 minutes before kickoff the tunnels, right? The two teams start to meet up. You see the referees are getting the guys in line. You know how it works. You've seen it a million times. You're seeing these unbelievable teams in front of my eyes, right? Every week I watch these guys. But then I started thinking because of Zlatan and that goal, I was watching Messi and Suarez and Daniele De Rossi and all these guys line up. Then in the other match, I'm seeing Gigi Buffon line up with Cristiano Ronaldo right next to him, right? And all the greats for Real Madrid and all the greats from Juve. And I thought to myself, every last one of these guys that I'm looking at has watched his Zlatan goal 50 times already. Let that sink in. And don't tell me I'm wrong because I'm not. Every last one of them had seen it. And they knew about that goal. Gigi Buffon was thinking, he doesn't even know who Tyler Miller is probably. He was thinking, oh, that poor kid, that goalkeeper, right? Buffon, one of the greats, if not the greatest of all time, with the tip of the cap to Lev Yashin. Gigi Buffon was watching that video, had a smile on his face at first, right? And thought, wow, Zlatan, the dude is incredible. And then he thought, oh, poor Tyler Miller, took that that goal kick way out, and before he even knew what happened, he didn't even have time to get back. And I bet you Gigi Buffon, in his own beautiful heart of a man that he is, probably thought, I would have probably been burned by that one too, kid. And if he could talk to Tyler Miller, that's what he'd tell. And then I thought, Lionel Messi, who has scored nothing but goals that we all just, like, I still watch on YouTube all the time. Like, we all do, right? And every time you see a Messi goal, you go, yeah, that's Messi. He scored so many great goals. He watched that goal and went, wow, that is just Zlatan. And Cristiano Ronaldo, who himself had one of the greatest goals you could ever see, I guarantee you Cristiano Ronaldo wanted to put together a goal like that just to kind of tweak Zlatan just days later. Guarantee you he thought about that some point after he scored that goal and was being cheered by the Juve fans themselves. They gave him a standing ovation in a stadium in Italy for the opponent who scored one of the most amazing goals. And don't tell me, in, in the back of his mind, at some point after that, he thought, yeah, that's for you, Zlatan. You think you're uh, the lion? That's Zlatan Ibrahimovic's effect. Every last one of the players, you can go down the rosters, go to the uh, UEFA press kits and take a look who started every one of those matches. Defenders, backups on the bench, managers. 
They all saw Zlatan's goal. Now think about that. That is a guy playing in MLS. And here's another point. Pick the best players in MLS if you don't think Zlatan already is, right? Who are they? Bradley Wright Phillips, fabulous. David Villa has been incredible, right? No doubt. Sebastian Jovinko, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, the list. Name them all. Every last one of them, they could have scored that goal that Zlatan did, and nobody would have seen it. The same goal. Magnificent. That's the effect. So when people who are ignorant about what really matters in the game of football, or they're trying to troll MLS, say, yeah, he's a 36-year-old who got injured. He's a has-been. You're a has-been. Or you never was. Sorry. Not sorry. You got to just be pointed out for who you are, which is either a troll or or you just don't know soccer like you think you do, bottom line. Because Zlatan Ibrahimovic at 36 or 46 is worth it, clearly. And oh, by the way, he just went ahead and got himself free to score the winning goal, too. <laughs> Let's not forget that. The big, the big goal wasn't even the game winner. He felt like he hadn't done enough yet. Then he strips his shirt off. It was perfect. When he strips the shirt off and runs around and basically tells the fans, yeah, you, you, did you doubt that I would do this? And let me tell you something. You can hit me up on Twitter if you want, at TalkSoccer. I'm not, I'm not even talking on the phone. So this is all about what my impressions are of this, and I'll tell you why. Because for so many times, you got to hear people like, yeah, he's, he's past it. He's going to come back here and everything. Let me tell you something. The man can play on any pitch in the world right now. You're lying to me, Everton fan, if you don't think he's better than what you have right now. You're lying to me, who fan of whatever team, if you don't think Zlatan belongs in your side right now. You're lying. You're just you're just absolutely denying the truth. He still has that thing, and he showed it. And if you're still going to doubt him, well, then there's just no hope for you. That is just one of the most amazing things we've ever seen in sports. I mean, come on. What a story. You have to respect that. You have to tip the cap, much like the Juve fans did with that Cristiano Ronaldo goal. Now, talking about the Champions League, Barcelona eases by Roma in the first leg 4-1. That's done. All right, Roma got kind of snake bit with a couple of own goals that were really unlucky. But Barcelona is Barcelona. They're just better. Real Madrid crushes Juventus in no small part due to that Cristiano Ronaldo amazing overhead kick goal that it just, I mean, everyone was stunned and had to just, you just literally had to be like, okay, yeah, you deserve it. Did you see the reaction from Zinedine Zidane? who had scored himself many of these type of goals, was just like, whoa, shakes the hand like, well, that's just too good. Bayern gets by Sevilla 2-1, an own goal help there, that's for sure. Sevilla looked actually pretty good at times in that one. That one might not quite be done, but Bayern with the two road goals, that's probably done. But Sevilla's a tricky team. They didn't have ever Benega in that one either. Liverpool was the big surprise, only in the sense that 3-0 over Man City, and they just ran by them early and then didn't give up the goal, crucially. Did not give up the road goal. 
So I think we're pretty well set with who we believe is going to the, the, the semis. Now, there's work to be done, but these things are really anticlimactic. You know where the tension is in the Champions League? Oh, you're going to hate this one. That's coming up next. I'm going to tell you. You know where the tension lies in the Champions League? And you European football fans are going to hate the answer. That's coming up next. I'm Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. We continue on. I was mentioning, you know about the Champions League, right? The Champions League with Barcelona and Roma. Barcelona leading by three goals. Real Madrid on top of Juventus by a bucket of goals. Bayern leading Sevilla. Looks like that one's done because Bayern got two road goals. Liverpool keeps Man City from scoring and scores three themselves at home. That one looks done. We know who's marked. You know where the tension lies in the Champions League? You Europeans are going to hate the answer. CONCACAF! <laughs> It's out of your own Champions League and to where the real tension lies in the real Champions League this season in the semis. Toronto FC goes at Club America after Club... Let's remember, Club America grabbed the goal, so they got the road goal for El Piojo's side. Oh, and he is a little punk. Ah, just uh, so disturbing, although I want the guy managing an MLS as soon as possible. But they get the road goal, but TFC responds. Three goals that were just unbelievable. Now, they got on it early with the penalty that people didn't think was a It was a PK, no doubt. And then Josie Altidore right before half with the big one. Once it made was 1-1, Club America's goal was outstanding. Ibargwin was just like traffic coning the TFC defense. It was just a thing of beauty, too. But then Josie Altidore, late in the half off that unbelievable pass, from Jovinko and Josie was cool as you like and that was a crucial goal I thought it just really deflated America going into the break TFC gets that big nice goal to start the second half and then holds on with what I thought was an onslaught from club look those are two good teams two really good teams but if you're going to sit here as a hater of MLS and tell me Toronto FC is not as good as any or every Liga Amekis team after all the evidence we now have to the con i mean really look club america can win the series no doubt they can win champions league easily still you got to go down to azteca and not lose your shirt down there if you're tfc but tfc could easily move on as well and it's not going to shock me and if you think toronto fc is not every bit as good or better than any mexican team you just you're just fooling yourself at this point we have too much evidence to the contrary and the other semi chivas getting a big one nil win at home over new york red bull now, I thought Matias Almeida had a brilliant game plan for Chivas, right? Chivas is the fourth best team out of these four in terms of overall talent. They're not that good, but they played very well, and they have been playing very well in this tournament. And Almeida had them set up perfectly to stifle Red Bull's offense. And Jesse Marsh just did not have an answer throughout most of that game. Actually, New York Red Bull played pretty well in the second half, could not break through, and then Aurelian Collins, red, kind of forced Marsh's hand to not give up the second goal and to make it 2-0. That would have been a backbreaker. It's bad that you're down 1-0 going home, but it's not the end of the world. 2-0 would have been like, uh-oh, because you're not holding Chivas to nil. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. They're going to get a goal. The Goats are getting a goal. You're going to have to score three, and then, you know, that's your only way through. Right, if you're if you're Red Bull, after you didn't score on the road, you're not you're not blanking the goats 
in Harrison, New Jersey. I don't believe. Because they're playing well enough in this tournament. So the favorites clearly are Chivas and TFC to advance. Right? And by the way, you know what? If, if I'm TFC, I want to play Chivas for so many reasons. New York Red Bull knows them. They're not afraid of TFC at all. Like There's just too much commonality there. No, they're not as good as Toronto. They know that. But they just it's like playing your your big brother in the in the driveway and pick a basket. Yeah, he usually beats you, but it's not like you don't know everything about him. The element of surprise with Chivas, yeah, of course Almeida is a good coach. He's gonna study up and but you know, they took Tigres by surprise in a lot of ways. And I think they kind of took Piojo and uh, America by surprise. These teams, Mexican teams, don't really think MLS teams are that good. No matter what they say in the press, and some of them respect them yes of course Matthias Almeida says a lot of great things about MLS sides and respectfully and rightfully so he's a great coach he'll be ready you still just don't know until you see it going on people don't understand including Mexican teams how good Toronto really is a lot of people and that's no shame you just don't know till you line up and now certainly America knows they can beat Toronto in the second leg 2-0 no doubt they can beat them 5-1 or 5 I mean but that doesn't mean they're any better. My point is Toronto's the best. They want Chivas because Chivas doesn't understand what they're in for. The Red Bulls know. It's just you're going to go slug your brother for two games and see what happens in the final. You know, they want to play Chivas. They're going to beat Chivas easier, frankly. Yeah, you heard it here first. Toronto FC is rooting against New York Red Bull to get to the final. I No doubt in my mind. Greg Vanny will tear apart that Chivas team over two legs. They won't do that to New York Red Bulls. Even though they're better than the Red Bulls and they're better than Chivas. Chivas is the fourth best team. Chivas is probably playing as about the second best team, though, in this tournament right now. So it's going to be interesting. I believe that's how the final is going to ro- roll down. But I cannot wait for the second legs in that one. Absolutely cannot wait. Time now for what we love to call LAFC the black and gold breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the black and gold breakdown. breakdown. Break it down like this right now. And if you have any thoughts on Soccer Weekly, hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. You can follow us on Instagram, Dave underscore Denholm. And the reason I say that is I put some pictures up of the uh, LAFC's new training center. And I got a chance to go out there for the first time today, earlier today. Most of the media had visited yesterday, actually, in like a more of a media day for the new uh, facility. I want to bring in the great producer of the show a little earlier. He's the host of Stoppage Time, which we'll be getting to, certainly. But I want to bring him in now, the great Mario Rees, who went out with me and he is always out there with me at practice at LAFC. Mario, we got a chance to take a look at this oh, new man. facility for the first time. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. That thing was amazing. I think the uh, the the pitch, I mean, that's cool the way they put the grass in there. The turf is just like how it's going to be in the stadium. Yeah, Bank of California Stadium, so they're playing on the same grass, essentially. Yeah, and that's what all the players talked about. A lot of the players, a lot of the coaches were talking about how the pitch is just so nice. Yeah, and it really did. It really looked so beautiful. That's one thing you notice in fairness, one of the things that makes the Premier League so good is the vast majority of their pitches, not all, but a vast majority, they're like rolling a ball on like a beautiful bocce ball court. If you've ever played bocce ball in a great court, like the Italian lawn bowling, like the pristine grass, you know, and the ball just is perfectly rolling around, pinging around. That's what it looked like at practice, certainly. With you know, with uh, no you know disrespect to UCLA or wherever there, I'm just saying this was built for them to do this on the same grass uh, that you're going to see at Bank of California Stadium. If it's like the turf at the practice facility, which it is, it's going to be amazing. Beautiful. The ball just moves so smoothly and just it just makes it so 
beautiful to watch, as you say, and it looks yeah. so good. I got to tell you, the facility. Now, obviously, what does this mean for a fan? If you're like, hey, Denholm, I'm a fan of LAFC. I'm listening to the show. What does that mean? For-? What it means is you have a very happy group of people working there, Mario. Now, Oh, yeah. I That's mean, for sure. It is a place to go to work every day. Yeah. Because you walk into the building itself. It's gorgeous. Of course it's new. It Honestly, it has the feel of a house on a cliff in Malibu that costs $30 million. You know, that's about roughly what they said the, the facility co- It has a feel of, like, new construction of some fabulous world-class architect just build you a house yeah. on a cliff in Malibu. Oh, the architecture is amazing. It is stunning. And there's so many little touches to LAFC in the wings yep. everywhere. You know, the details, even, yeah. The details the in the architecture. Gold. Yeah, it's not just like blatantly thrown in your face every time, but even little things you walk by and you're like, holy cow, I just caught that, you know, in yeah. the corner of your eye. That was the most amazing. Even just where you sit, like the office space or just, they have like windows that open up completely wide open. You know, you see these, some of these in the houses now with in Venice or something, or if you're on a mm-hmm. beach somewhere, you open up the whole, it's a whole glass, sliding glass wall, yeah. and you can open it up right to the practice pitch. It is mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Yeah, that second deck just overlooking the pitch is beautiful. It, uh, it what cannot be overstated. Now, we got to, right here, we want to talk a little bit about what Mario had said, some of the reaction. We got from players and coaches alike. We wanted to get a little bit of this, put it on some tape for you to hear about how they're responding to the new training facility for LAFC. Let's hear that now. It's really nice. I think it's like uh, really modern. It's, we have everything. Now we have no excuse to play good, you know, because sometimes when you are really not your training facility, you can say, oh, the pitch is not good. Uh, I don't like the dressing room. Now it's like if you don't play good, it's our mistake you know he's not the club coming to a facility like this it only can help the team improve we're we're in a place that provides us with all the needs that we could ever ask for and really it just helps us to maintain that focus and that professionalism so that way week in and week out we can show up be prepared to put on the best performance that we can it's definitely one of the nicest professional uh, environments that i've been able to train in it's modern state-of-the-art and it really it just meets all of our needs as a professional soccer player the field right now is so amazing that uh, i'm going with the field you know when you have this kind of place to train every day but the, the whole building the flow uh, our ability to come in uh, have good discussions look at video uh, the players the gym so really every part of it is spectacular that's of course carlos vela tyler miller and uh, manager bob bradley there uh, talking about his fa- i asked him what his favorite part so far and, he, and as mario had pointed out he mentioned the pitch in the field and the practice field but i gotta tell you there are a couple of features, Mario. We got a chance to go into the players' locker room when you know, they weren't around. We didn't barge in while they were working or anything. But oh, for a practice facility locker room to go into work every day like that oh, is ridiculous. Man. Yeah. And then one of the features that's very cool is the players can have not one but two meals a day there, right? The breakfast before you work out and everything and all the before you even get going into the day, video, watching the video in the conference room they have, which is ridiculous as yeah. well. So absurdly cool and then oh by the way you come back afterwards and have lunch catered to you they got chefs there this is like and i and i was joking with the staff who are like some of the people we know behind the scenes like the great people in the in the media department aubrey and diego and i was joking like yeah i don't think they're doing this at the other 23 clubs necessarily in, in mls or 22 clubs it is so unique mario and it's an advantage oh yeah i like that weight room too that weight room was nice oh that's the one where 
also the wall just opens up right out to the you walk right out from the workout weight room. Yeah, right onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. Like there's no getting going through some door that you don't see. It's just the whole glass thing just slides open. It's essentially open all the time. Yeah, that ridiculous. I mean, I keep using that word because I can't even. It's just mind blowing what they've done for this club that way. And I, it is it is absolutely a draw. That's why a fan should be concerned or wonder why you know what do we really care about our team's practice facility? It's a draw for a player to want to come. Oh back. yeah, they got everything they need right there. And like you said, you had a good point. It's not too big, you know. It's not just like this it's big, huge, yeah. wasted space. It's like everything's nice, tight, just what you need. It's very comfortable. And that's what the players like. Yeah, it really is. And there's so many cool little features for people just even who are working. You got certain chairs that look really good. They're just kind of around in certain sitting seating areas where you wouldn't even think. And you just, oh, I'll go take a little uh, five-minute break there. You know, yeah. just stay out of the way or whatever. And Yeah, it's really cool to work out of, I must say. And people have to remember, as a professional athlete, most of your time is not spent on the pitch. Most most of your time as a soccer player is not spent running around playing on Saturday. Yeah, it's the other day, Monday through Friday. Yeah, that's you're at where the training facility. That's your work, really. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's it's in a great location on the campus of Cal State LA, right off freeways. I mean, it's just obviously it's not that far from downtown where we happen to be in terms of our studios. But that's you know neither here nor there. It's a great location for the Los Angeles area to be around to be able to get to in and out of. So. Just absolutely world class, no doubt about it. So that's 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 our part of black and gold breakdown today on the show, and we just had to tell you about it. It was unbelievable. Hey, uh, more of the great Mario Reese still to come. We've got a lot more to get to. Stoppage time. That's coming up next. It's Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA seven ten. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA seven ten. I am Dave Home, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It is time for our. L.A. Care Injury Report. This health report on Soccer Weekly, sponsored by L.A. Care, is the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. L.A. Care is elevating health care in the city of angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A. L.A. Care. Org. Want to take a specific look? Yeah, we'll get to LAFC. Atlanta United, the opponent for LAFC, coming up on Saturday. You'll hear that game right here beginning at 1.30 p.m., Pacific time, in case you're uh, listening on the East Coast, uh, make the uh, adjustments accordingly. You'll hear that at 1.30 p.m. with the pregame here on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Atlanta United coming in with some injuries. Of course, we've known Ezekiel Barco has been out. It doesn't look like that's going to be a, a too much longer for the young 18-year-old Argentine, the big signing for Atlanta United. He's been out since before the season began. Franco Escobar has been out for a while. He's going to be out. Jose Hernandez. You also have the youngster, Andrew Carlton, who's going to be out. Looks like Jeff Lorenowitz has a bit of an ankle issue. Not exactly sure if he's going to miss the game for Atlanta United. We'll keep an eye on that. But those are the injuries, especially for Atlanta United. For LAFC, of course, you've got the familiar Luis Lopez injury. Unfortunately, that's still uh, lingering for the goalkeeper. And Omar Gabber, we mentioned that one with the right knee LCL sprain. Doesn't look to be too long-term. We saw Omar actually walking around the training facility, getting a little work in, not practicing after the injury he suffered during the Egyptian friendly that he uh, participated in over the international break. But so still a little bit of waste from seeing Omar for the first time in an LAFC game. But again, it doesn't look to be a long-term injury there. Still up in the air for uh, many Galaxy players. You know, you just don't know what's going on with the Geo and Jonathan 
Of course, we were, were uh, thinking they may participate against LAFC, and then they weren't even in the 18. Roman Alessandrini, we'll keep uh, keep an eye on those. I want to see what happens. This, they have the game Sunday versus Sporting Kansas City. That is your LA Care injury report. And it brings me back to LAFC and LA Galaxy's next game, right? Crazy, the 4-3 game. Just absolutely astonishing game on all accounts. Lose or win, that kind of thing. It is an absolute game you're going to remember. you got to move on. Guess what? There's games within the next week. And so that's a good and bad thing. LAFC going to Atlanta United, that is a tricky, tricky matchup. I'm so glad we got the call coming. I, I, I'm so excited to watch that game and see what happens, see what transpires, because LAFC must rebound immediately. Now, what is a rebound from a, a tough loss like that when you're playing a team like Atlanta United? They are so loaded. You know what a rebound is for me? I genuinely am am serious about this when it comes to the organization. When it comes to LAFC and Bob Bradley and his staff and watching how his team responds, you know what a rebound is? Is just play well. Don't have any lingering effect. Let it affect you on the pitch. What that means is, who knows? Atlanta United's good. You can go down there and play well and lose 2-1. Right, we've seen that. I mean, that's Atlanta United is tough to stop, tough to defend. Now you can go down there and beat them, but you just want to go down and make sure your team is ready to play and play well. Now I must say, and I don't know how Mario feels about this. Maybe we'll ask him in a few minutes at stoppage time. I didn't see a whole lot of lingering over at practice on uh, you know earlier today on Thursday. Didn't see a whole lot of it lingering in terms of what they were going through on the pitch. They were flying around much like they had done after they won games, which is a good sign right now. We'll see how it transfers over on Saturday. And again, you'll hear that game right here on ESPN LA 710. I'll have the call for you pregame beginning at 1.30 here on ESPN LA 710 or the ESPN app. LA Galaxy Sunday taking on Sporting Kansas City. There's another thing you look at. Galaxy, when you get a kind of comeback win like that, you can start to build on that potentially. This is no easy game against Sporting Kansas City, but you can go out. You better go out really just guns blazing looking for all three points. Fire away. Don't hold back. Don't be trying to, you know, hey, let's just ride this wave. No, go play well and take another three points, and then you start building something, right? Because you're going to have a full house. Zlatan's there, and the team is jacked, and the fans are jazzed, and yeah, you're going to be ready to go that way. Take advantage of it. Build on it. It's a massive weekend for both teams to get over it. Either way, you got to get over the high and the low. If you're in the Galaxy or LAFC, get over that 4-3 game as quickly as possible. Let the fans, let us remember it <laughs> who watched it and, and linger on with it. That's not your job, and that is hard to do. Either way, win or lose that game. Because, yeah, it's all well and good. Yeah, you won the the, uh, Traffico. Absolutely. You got bragging rights. You go out and lose 4-1 to Sporting Kansas City, and all of a sudden everybody's shaking their heads again real quick. And if LAFC rebounds and beats a great Atlanta United team 3-0 on Saturday, then it's like, okay, we got over it. As fast as you can, you got to get over the highs and lows, the real highs and the real lows. And Saturday was that. For both teams. There is no mistaking that. Hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer once again. Uh, you can do that. Follow the show there. If you want to follow me on Instagram, Dave at 
uh, Dave underscore Denholm. Dave underscore Denholm spelled, of course, like my name. And it's time now for what we all know is the greatest segment here each and every week on Soccer Weekly. It is stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah. Stoppage time. Yeah. It's stoppage time. Right now. Here we go with the great producer of the show and the host of Stoppage Time each and every week. Let's welcome him back in, Mario Reyes. Mario, good to see you again, buddy. Good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah. Most of the players on the LAFC squad at practice today look like they were over. They've turned the page. They look pretty pumped to go to Atlanta and take on the challenge over there playing at Mercedes-Benz. Kind of felt like they didn't really want to talk about it when I was yeah, asking them a little bit about it. I either, got which, that, too. That's fine. They still got a little bite to it, which is good. You don't yeah. want to forget that. You know, you want to remember what got you there exactly. so you don't duplicate it. But they were ready to move on. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Time. All right, so one of the most influential, uh, most successful uh, football nations, France, has already lent their support for Morocco's 2026 World Cup bid. But now we got two more nations, and I'm talking about two more CONCACAF nations showing their support oh, for Morocco boy. as well. Uh, Dominica and St. Lucia both are showing support for Morocco. So uh, I don't know if we're going to get a World Cup here anytime soon in the U.S., Dave. Oh, Mario. Of course, the U.S., Mexico, Canada trying the, uh, the, the triumphant bid. bid there yeah. you know, together for 2026. We all thought it was pretty much a slam dunk for so mm-hmm. long. Was that Grant Wall who had that, by the way? Yeah, Grant Wall. I want to give him credit there. Yep, yeah, Sports, to Sports Illustrated, who also works for Fox. Grant Wall had that uh, break in that St. Lucia and Dominica. Now will reportedly, according to Grant Wall, be voting against the U.S. and Canada and Mexico. They're CONCACAF brothers. Yes. Right? To vote for uh, Morocco. Morocco. This is not good. This is a sign that... What's that, brother? Not looking good. No, we're not getting it. No. I'm going to go ahead and say it. If they don't change their mind, and I don't mean just these two. I'm talking about the flow of everything going on. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't change... The, the the U.S., Mexico, and Canada are not getting the World Cup in 2026, and it's a travesty. And I tweeted it out, and a lot of people fired back at me for this. I will never go to St. Lucia or Dominica now. <laughs> I, I will never visit those nations because of this. Right. Right. And I I'm with you. I, I will never go. And now people are like, oh, were you ever going to go anyway, you pompous jet? You know, <laughs> uh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, right? Yeah. You know, the Great Lakes, which get nasty cold about seven months of the year. We look a lot of times during those months to go down to the Caribbean nations, right? Uh, whichever ones. There's many great nations. Beautiful. By the way, St. Lucia, Dominica, those are beautiful nations, right? Beautiful islands. I'm not going. Not anymore. Not as yeah, beautiful I'm not, as before. I'm not going to them. I will never go to either one of those nations if they do this. If they don't reverse their court. Now, of course, who, what do they care about me, right? You say that. These nations depend on tourism, right? Oh yeah. Where do you think they'd be hit more by tourism effect from Mexico, Canada, or U.S. or Morocco? Where do we think most of their tourism dollars are coming from? If right. you had to choose between those, I mean, it's a factor. Say what you will. That's why I'm saying, spread the word. We got to keep. We got to hold these nations accountable. I'm sorry. We're we're in it together here in Concacaf. What's good for us is good for you. What are you doing? That's ridiculous. And it just lends me to think, what's going on? When it comes to FIFA and all these votes, what is going on? And that's all you have to, you know, I mean, that's, I'm just going to leave it at that, Mario. That's it. Stop it, time!
All right, talking about Zlatan earlier, he must have really, really wanted to come play for the Galaxy. Uh, Grant Wall has another story wow, here. Wow, we got this Grant Shout Wall out to him day again. here. Yeah, thank you, Grant <laughs> Wall, the greatest uh, soccer, actually the greatest soccer reporter we have. I believe. Yeah, Ibra, he turned down $100 million from China to come play for MLS. Wow, you said that you were like you were Mike Myers in the, uh, in million. the Austin Powers. Right? <laughs> $100 million. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and remember, you know what he got from MLS? Three. Three million for two years. Yep. Not 30, not 33, not 300, not a, a hundred million for sure. So, wow, that is amazing. And you know what? It just it it just goes to show that it's not always about the dollars you see necessarily. There are dollars to be made in America, let's remember, Mario, off yeah. the pitch too. So that yeah. may have had something to do with it. But, you know, hey, kudos to the Galaxy then for getting it done. And kudos to Zlatan. Yeah, right? kudos to Karofsky, uh, Jovan Karofsky, yeah. who's a technical director. We always just assume these guys are going for the last buck, and it's not always the case. Karofsky said the hardest part of the deal was explaining to Ibra's super agent, uh, Mino Raiola, that he could only pay uh, Ibra $1.5 million a year. <laughs> and his agent's response was, are you serious? Wow. Yeah. And he still came. He still came. The legend grows even bigger for yep. the great Zlatan Ibrahimovic, no doubt. That is stoppage time here. The great Mario Rees, producer of this show. I'm Dave Denholm. Thanks so much to Michael, Michael Funches as well. This is Soccer Weekly. Thanks to you for uh, listening. Check out the podcast on iTunes. Go uh, download that and uh, subscribe, rate, and review the Soccer Weekly. Uh, we appreciate that. You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Soccer Weekly, each and every week here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710.